MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to the Lombardi Line presented by Bet MGM on this beautiful Sunday morning here in Las Vegas. I am Dave Ross. Michael Lombardi is back on the East Coast. Good morning, Michael. I don't know if you got up early like me and watched a little bit of the golf this morning, but how about our guy Brooks Kepka showing what major champions do and putting a little pressure on these guys here. He's got the round of the day going right now as he's putting for birdie on 15. Michael, he's not going to get home, okay? But right now, you just look up and he's Four off the lead as he just that birdie putt slides by. And I did see, and I had to pick your brain right off the top of the show. We saw guys like Ricky Fowler and Bryson DeChambeau go super low when it didn't matter. Of course. That's what they do, of right? Of course. It was, a, it was a great round. It was a great time to play good. You know, there's no pressure on you. Kapka didn't birdie that par five. He had a great drive. When I came in back into my other office here, I, I he had just had, did a great drive on five. I thought he was going to maybe have a chance at eagle that hole, and obviously he didn't. But uh, he's playing really, really well. And, look, my man Louie's not dressed up. I thought Louie would be in all brown today. I really don't. I'm a little disappointed Louie didn't come out in all brown. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and look like a driver. Don't you think Louie should have looked like one of those guys that dropped 
top it off. If he, Short sleeve, brown pants, brown shirt. Why not, right? If he showed up at your door with a package, you wouldn't be surprised, right? He would have no problem with it. I think I, I think he's cheating us going gray today. I really do. I'm very disappointed in this selection. I really am. If I were UPS, I would be damn mad at him. Now, look, I got to know. I know he's got other advertisers, but you know why not a yellow hat and brown brown shirt, brown pants? Why not? Just go all the way in. He's uh, right go now. Go all in. He's still the live favorite at plus 120 uh, to win this tournament. Obviously, with that one shot lead, uh, and we see guys like Jordan Spieth right now, who's trying to hang in there. Michael at nine under, he's three back. He's plus 450, and Colin Morikawa right now uh, is at plus 160. So you're seeing uh, the live odds, and, and you can make those wagers at BetMGM. Um, I, I look at it though, Michael, and I was watching this morning, and it kind of felt like a Super Bowl. And I get it; the net networks have to do what they do, right? But like Paul Azinger on NBC, and I don't want to blast Paul Azinger. I think he's a fine broadcaster. Just hammering Louie, like, oh, Louie's going to be feeling the pressure. Here come all these young kids. He's got all these 20s. I, I was like, dude, lay off the guy, right? Enough pressure. I, I, I mean, he got caught up on this youthful thing. Yes. Like, I mean, Mickelson just won the PGA at 50. <laughs> like, this guy's 38. He's not an old man. I mean, he's not like me. He doesn't have to take four Advil after he plays with his grandkids. I mean, geez, oh, man. You know, it's, like, ridiculous. Like, I, I was listening to that, Dave, and I'm like, come on, bro. Like, leave him alone. Like he's 38 years old. These just these young kids. Okay, I get it. They hit the ball far. Right. I get that they're great. I understand all that. But Louis got experience. I mean, part of getting close gives you a lot of experience. So uh, I wasn't buying Azinger's commentary whatsoever. I, I think you know the pressure is going to be hard. The weather's hot. The the you know we know that the greens are are fast and and there's been no rain, so the ball's going to get a lot of. You got to keep the ball in play and you got to be able to hit the right shots into those greens because you're going to get a lot of run with them. Uh, Michael, I am curious though if there's a correlation from the NFL when you're winning Super Bowls and how hard that is as a team, right, with 53 man roster and that sort of thing in an individual sport. How do you contain the nerves though, like I, like on a Super Bowl Sunday, right, as you're preparing for your day? How do you try mentally to stay in the moment and not make the moment too big? I can remember my first Super Bowl, Dave. I was in. It was at Stanford Stadium. It was 1984, and I was nervous as as any all get out. Mm. And we were 15 and one. We won two playoff games rather easily. We're playing the Miami Dolphins. And I'm in the locker room at old Stanford Stadium, which held 100,000 people. And, and Coach Walsh is literally laying on the floor in the locker room. There's a great picture of him laying on the floor there. And I just didn't understand what he was doing. But he was trying to get everybody subliminally to relax. Wow. Just let the emotions take out of it. And then years later when we played Seattle, you know, I, I wrote a report up for Coach Belichick about what really has to happen. you got to stay in the moment. That's the most important thing. Stay present. Next shot is the next shot, and, and it's hard to do because when you start to worry about what the results are going to be, that affects your play. And I think Giannis said it really well the other day, but I think that's what you have to do. Stay in the moment, and anything we do that's hard, stay in the moment. It's a great correlation, especially with what happened with Giannis. He went from uh, maybe the uh, goat with missing the free throws to the hero with getting the alley-oop slam the next, like, 20 seconds. What a role reverse. We're going to talk a lot about Game 5 uh, throughout the day here. So we'll keep an eye on the open 
lots to get to. Obviously, a big slate of Major League Baseball, and we'll be talking a lot of NFL, as we always do. But, uh, yeah, we will keep an eye on that leaderboard. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross with Michael Lombardi. And, again, on this hour, we're going to have Thomas Gable joining us. Will Hill is going to join us in a little bit. And Josh Applebaum is still in Vegas, Michael. He's going to, Reportedly, <laughs> he's going to stop by uh, in the uh, later on in this show as well and talk all things NBA and baseball with us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we did see, Michael, mm. with uh, Game 5 yeah. last night because it was a wild roller coaster of emotions. Bucks looked like they had this thing put away. Obviously, they were getting four, uh, and the over did hit as it went over the 220 and a half. Uh, and if you had Bucks money like mine, like our producer, Stephanie, you really had a nice day uh, yesterday. But we saw that range of emotions, right? The, the Bucks looked like they were going to walk away with this thing, and then here come the Suns. They make a run. Giannis misses a couple of free throws, and the Suns have the ball down one in the final minute. And then another turnover, and we've seen this late now, Michael, and you talked about it yesterday in the show, learning how to close, and the Suns couldn't do it, and the Bucks did. What would you make of this wild one? You know, look, if I would have said, if we would have said yesterday, Saturday morning, and I said, look, Suns are going to shoot 55%. Mm. Suns are going to shoot 68% from the three-point line, right? And they're going to up-tempo the game. You're going to say, well, they're going to win the game by 10 at least. Sure. But what I didn't count on was the Bucks shooting 57% from the field, <laughs> the Bucks shooting 50% from the three-point line. They're 14 for 28 from the three-point line, Dave. I mean, that was the game. And they were in the 52% from, from the three-throw line. So, look, I mean, if you're Phoenix, you're sitting there saying, look, we didn't play any defense. We did not guard with enough intensity. We didn't take them out of their game. You know, they still had 11 offensive rebounds, which is way too many. You know, they were able to get back into that. And, you know, we gave Connaughton, got too many points. I mean, Josh Applebaum called that one. Mm -hmm. Great for him. Connaughton plays 33 minutes. He gets 14 points. I mean, when Connaughton's out there playing like that, you know, Portis played 19 minutes. And, and you know, his second is he had three offensive rebounds in the game. So, and Holiday makes the steal. Chris Paul has one turnover in the game, and it's on that last possession that cost him the game. And that's really what happens. It's a game. The last two weeks, the last two games have been very winnable game for the Phoenix Suns. They just haven't been able to close it out in the final minutes. It's fascinating when you look at that, to your point about the player props. Booker goes for 40. Paul goes for 21. His prop was 20 and a half. Aiton goes for 20. They all go over, and yet they right. lose. And really, as you mentioned, just that one critical turnover late with Drew Holiday uh, taking it away and leading to the alley-oop to, to Giannis to kind of put this thing away. I mean, Michael, it is so hard to win a championship. And I'm not saying that Chris Paul isn't going to win it here, but when you have those critical turnovers in those critical situations in back-to-back -back games, that's the difference, as you well know, between winning and losing here. And now if you're the Suns and you got to go back to Milwaukee for game six – Boy, I look at this thing and I go, I, I, mentally, I don't know here. Now the Bucks to win it in six is minus 200. So you're thinking this is going to get done here. For the Bucks to win in seven would be plus 550. And for the Suns to win the next two, well, you're going to get good value here at plus 310. Is this series over in your mind? Does it end in Milwaukee? Or potentially are we going back to the Valley of the Sun? You know, what I think I miscalculated, Dave, yesterday was Holiday was eventually going to have a good score shooting day, mm. right? I mean, he had been shooting poorly, so he goes 12 for 20, 3 for 6 from the three-point line. Now, the question I have back to myself, can he do that again? That's typically not what he's been. What he has been is what he's been able to do to Chris Paul, which is minus 6. Chris Paul last night was minus 6. As good as he played with one turnover and 20 po 21 points, he was minus 6 on the court when he played. So, you know, Holiday has played extremely well, but I don't know if he's going to be able to shoot 
you know, can they shoot 57.6% oh, again from the field? I mean, think about it. I mean, I know Phoenix shot 55%, but can both these teams shoot at this level? The over was never, never in doubt. No. I mean, I loved the over. I loved Phoenix. I was one for two on those picks. But I think it was the pace Phoenix wanted to play. I just didn't think Phoenix thought that they were going to give up at 50 Make 50 made free throw, 50 made field goals out of 87 shots. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The pace was exactly what you thought it would be, and that should favor Phoenix. You would think ultimately. So I, I think the strategy there uh, it checks out. It's just a, to your point. I don't think anybody thought the Bucks could shoot at that that higher rate on the road, and we know how difficult it's been to play in this postseason in Phoenix. To your point about Drew Holiday, I mean, this is a guy at the beginning in the first two games looked lost. I mean, he really did, and we were all yeah. giving the MVP to Chris Paul, and the series is over for Suns and four. You know, and it was because Drew Holiday, but you nailed it. He has turned his play around, and his defense late has been a contributing factor to these losses for the Suns here. Um, you know, I watched him last night, Michael, and I just thought he has no conscience. I mean, he's going to shoot. No. And, right, they, they let him go. And he jacks it and let it fly, and let's see what happens. And if I were coaching the Suns, I would be having no problem with with letting him shoot because I feel like he's not going to be able to make it, you know. But look, I think with the Suns, when they look at this box score, they got to say themselves, we got to be more, we got to go to the rim more. I mean, I thought Booker was sensational Mm -hmm. going to the rim. I thought he was great going to the rim. He got a lot of shots close to the rim, but, you know, they only had 11 free throw attempts. That's not enough. You know, they only had eight turnovers, so that's good. I mean, you know, they, they protected the ball, but they've got, to, they've got to be able to get to the rim and they've got to stop the second-chance points for Milwaukee. If you're going to give up all these offensive rebounds, eventually you're going to lose. And, you know, Aiton had ten rebounds in the game. He played as well as he plays. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they've got to be able to do a better job on the boards, and they've got to get more out of Crowder. Crowder was minus seven in the game. They've got to be able to get more out of him. You nailed it too yesterday in the show, Michael, about the role players for Phoenix because the starters did their job, right, to that to that end. The, the guys you're looking for, all their props went over pretty much, certainly for the points in the big three for Phoenix. They did not get enough from the role players. And you're right on about Connaughton and some of the other role players for the Bucks That really helped out uh, to get this yep. upset win. When you look at the MVP odds now, Boy, have things changed in a week. Giannis Antetokounmpo now is minus 350 to bring home yeah. the MVP, and you can expect that now, obviously, with the Bucks up three games to two. But the interesting one for me here is Devin Booker is now plus 500. It's not so much that Booker is the second odds-on favorite. It's Chris Paul has dropped all the way to plus 900. Plus 900. Yeah. I mean, again, I thought there was value in Giannis before game three because he was plus 500 when they were down 0-2. Conversely... If you still believe in the Suns, and I know it it feels like a stretch at this moment this morning, Chris Paul at plus 900, because you mentioned it, the media still loves the guy. They're looking for a reason to give it to him. To give it. If they could win game six, Michael, and get it back to a game seven, he has a a huge Chris Paul triple-double type night. Do you think there's any value in that number at all? I do. I mean, look, I think Booker has decided he's going to take the team over. Right. I think Booker's mentality out there on the court was this is my team. And I think as Booker gets bigger, Paul has shrunk a little bit, even though he had 21 points and 11 assists. But, you know, what happened was, you know, Payne comes in. He's minus four on the court. Cam Johnson comes in. He's minus 19. And so what's happened is when Paul's not out there, they don't look as good. 
And that affects Paul overall because he's got to come from behind. You know, they get the big lead in the first quarter. They give they give up 43 points in the second. And now they're digging out from the hole because every time they went to the bench, it affected them. So I think Paul's got to be a front runner. But I'm with you. I think the odds are really good for him. But the way I've watched these last three games, I mean, if, if, if Phoenix wins, they've got to give it to Booker. As much as they love Paul, they've got to give it to Booker because Booker's the guy keeping them in it. I couldn't agree more. Interestingly enough, these these odds are changing, as you can imagine. So even from this morning when they were plus 900, they're thinking like we are, that maybe if Phoenix gets back in this thing, Paul now, as you saw, is down to uh, plus 700 and Booker at plus 600. So it's really close if the Suns are to get back in this series and win it in seven, who would get it? And you do wonder, and I guess it would be an impossibility at this point, if the Bucks don't win it for Giannis at minus 400, you know, I'm yeah. thinking maybe if Booker and Paul split the vote a little bit, but really there's no scenario of, of the losing a losing player, certainly Giannis, if they can't close this out, right? They've got to still win for Giannis to cash that ticket. No doubt. It's not going to be the Jerry West 69. I mean, <laughs> that, that will never fly on Twitter. We talked about that yesterday. Can you imagine that? That'll be no. a beating. But I think, I think really when you see this, I mean, if you're Monty Williams, you're sitting there saying, you know, what do we have to do to win? We've won two in a row, and now we've lost three. And we've lost three because I think we've been able to not stop the, the you know, Middleton from scoring at will. We've not, you know, Holiday got hot. We get that. Okay, he had that one moment where he got hot. But we've got to get Cam Johnson's got to play at a higher level. Right. You know, this isn't about Sarich not being able to, you know, missing Sarich in the game. I don't get that. That's not it. I think this is those role Johnson and Payne, because let's face it, Milwaukee's going, they're really only going seven players on this thing. I mean, they put Teague out there for eight minutes, and he was minus 11 once he got out there. You know, it's really Portis and Connaughton that are the two guys. So it's a, it's a seven-team, it's a seven player on each side really affected it and they've got to get more out of those role players you know I I hate doing this on this morning and trying to project historically what it would mean to put it in context for Chris Paul but is this a hit on his legacy if he can't win this NBA final I mean I'm not saying he can't do it but at some point you would have thought this was absolutely the best opportunity it was to oh it was tailor-made right it had a bow on it. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, it was like this is you're up 2-0, you know, and I don't know if he's hurt or if he's not the, you know, but look, he shoots 9 of 15. He has 11 assists, one turnover in 35 minutes. I, I don't know what more he could do. You know, I don't know what more he can do. They got 13 points out of Bridges, which is good. You know, Crowder gave them 10, but the problem is Crowder's defense hasn't been as good as they needed to be. Middleton has made some really tough shots on Crowder that you think, like he had a hand in his face on that one three-pointer. They called the foul late on it. I mean, it was unbelievable how he was able to make that shot. Middleton, you know, quietly has been really the driving force behind the last three wins. I mean, he won't win the MVP, but we're not giving enough love to Middleton and what he's been able to do. Yeah, great point. 25 to 1 for Chris Middleton to win the MVP. But you're right. Again, we, we get the narratives out there. And look, Giannis did have 32 points. We understand that. Nine rebounds, six assists. And for the first time, Michael, and I don't want, want to alert everybody here, Josh Applebaum has walked into the building. The under yeah. on the rebound prop to Josh's point yesterday, as it went up to 13 and a half, the under did come through. So if you recall, Josh said either play the under or stay away. That was sound advice. But here's the killer, Michael. If you took the over on Giannis Antetokounmpo in the player prop, it was 32 and a half. Did you see what he shot from the free throw line? 
Yeah, four for eleven. <laughs> I mean, and you know, you got to think that Monty's got to be thinking we're going to hack Giannis a little bit. Right down the right? stretch. Right. I mean, why not? Why not start hacking them a little bit, you know, and when you, we need to slow the game down, you know, when that 43, when they had the 43 point second quarter, maybe you might want to start hacking them a little bit, you know, put Kaminsky out there, get two fouls out of him in a hurry. He's not going to play, you know, do something to get Giannis to the line, give you a, a chance to steal a couple possessions because he's not shooting the ball. Well. I mean, they were nine for 17 from the line. Yeah. Nine for 17 from the line. The only guy that missed a shot was, well, Middleton missed one free throw, but, but all of them were on our boy, on Giannis. It's the only, it's the only real problem with this game. It, it and is, by the way, when are they going to start calling the 22nd violation? Um, I mean, the fans are stuck on 20, 20, 20. They don't call it. Like it's, well, <laughs> if it's a rule, why are we not calling it? I have no idea. It, it's one of the most, it almost feels like the officials now are trying to be a deterrent to the fans and say, all right, you keep counting. We're not going to enforce it. Count all you want. Count to 100. We're going to let Giannis have as much time as he wants. And by the way, he's still missing them. I mean, you take all the time in the world that you want, and it's not helping him at all in Phoenix. In Milwaukee, is the count really in his head? Is that the difference? (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. I don't know. I mean, his routine, I think, is too long. Yeah. Like, I think it's too – I mean, he's got, like, you know, Sergio Garcia-type line. I mean, you know, well, I remember Rick Riley wrote one time that, you know, Sergio looks over a putt, takes him longer than to, to, to look over a putt than it does to get a New York State driver's license. I mean, seriously. <laughs> like, you know, like, at some point, you got like, – let's get in the flow here. Let's bounce it once and shoot the damn thing. Let's go. Hey, to your point about Serge, he had to speed that up. Remember at the, U, at the U.S. Open at, uh, in oh, New York yeah. they just the fans were all over him at Bethpage Black. I remember that well. And I guess that's the point, right? If the fans are in your head like they were with Sergio, they're clearly in Giannis's head in Phoenix. It's almost like the pre-shot routine. He begins it before he gets the ball. I mean, yeah. the, the official hasn't even given him the ball, and he's already down. You know, he's, like, bending at the knees, and he's already done a couple pra- – like, dude, what is in your head? It's a free throw. This is not rocket science, right? I, look, you know, but Simmons is the same way. I mean, yeah. it's a free throw, bro. Like, seriously. And then, of course, we had the classic – you know, uh, his agent put it out there, Clutch Sports. They had it out, the, Simmons is making all these threes in this pickup basketball oh, game. I mean, so predictable. It was so, – there'll be another one coming next week, too. You'll watch. You'll yeah. wait and see. Yeah, it's it's rather amazing what uh, what agents do for their clients and get it out there. I had to put my glasses on to see these live odds again, Michael. But right now, Lou Tazen is still plus 110. Colin Morikawa, plus 120, nipping into seals. Jordan Spieth, plus 800. They're giving up on Jordy winning this Open Championship. Is he done in the water here? Mike, he's not even, we're not even at the turn yet. I know. I mean, if Kapka just finished, he's at, he's at through 16. He's minus eight. Now, you know, I think he's got a birdie 17 and 18. If he gets to minus 10, put I don't think he wins it. But it does put some pressure on him, right? Because yeah. at some point... You know, that, did you know they issued a heat advisory out there at the open? What? I mean, at Sandwich? Yeah, they <laughs> issued a heat advisory. I mean, those, I was worried about those poor. They don't have air conditioning. No chance there's, there's one air conditioning unit <laughs> in that whole area, right? There's no chance, I've, right? Have you ever heard of such a thing at an open championship, a heat advisory? What is uh, going no, on? No, no. This it is, would be like having one in, in in San Francisco at four in the afternoon. Like, it just doesn't happen. It makes zero you know, sense. It's like. 
it makes zero sense. And when I lived out there, we didn't have air conditioning. I had a brand new home. We didn't have air conditioning because the fog was coming at four o'clock, no matter what happened. I would tell you this though, Michael, and to your point about Brooks Kepka, he is right now in third, which is amazing to think about where he's come from today to even be yeah. in the conversation. But what I am most happy about, because yesterday when you and I were talking, we were thinking the winner, it could be 16, 20, right? Yeah. If you projected the way they had played the first two days. I don't know that the course is playing more difficult because we talked about some of those low rounds we saw from guys that were not in it that shot five under par earlier today, like the Bryson DeChambeau's and the Ricky Fowler's of the world, right? That went out before you and I ever woke up. It is playing tougher. I'm not sure why. It might be championship nerves, but we're going to yeah. keep an eye on that. And, uh, Michael, when we do come back here in the Lombardi line, I have to pick your brain about a story involving Cole Beasley and the vaccine. Yeah, politics and sports. We hate to do it, but we have to. When you come back with us right here in the Lombardi line, it is Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are a horse racing fan, 1ST Bet is the place for you. With wagering on races at over 300 tracks and AI-assisted picks, it is the easiest way to bet on your favorite sport with secure payments, attentive customer service, and a reliable website, all brought to you by ExpressBet. Sign up using the promo code VEGAS100 today and get up to 100 match bonus on your first deposit. Visit vston.com slash horses for details. That's vston.com slash horses, promo code vegas 100. Back here in the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross, and we're keeping an eye on that British Open, or the Open as they say over there. And Louis Oosthuizen, take that, Paul Azinger, still in the lead right now, so the pressure has not gotten <laughs> to little Louis. He still has the lead as uh, we sit right here. He's got a one-shot lead right now. But Brooks Kepka, a great run, but you're right, Michael, it's going to come up a little bit short here. Uh, looks like eight under par. Oosthuizen still at 12 under, but right now he's in a, a tie for third place. I did want to get to this topic, Michael, and it's very interesting. Uh, it's a, a couple headlines out of Buffalo here. And the Buffalo News uh, is reporting and speculating that Cole Beasley being released, quote, shouldn't be entirely ruled out. Now, Beasley is one of the NFL's most outspoken players on vaccinations, uh, and it could save, this is in quotes, could save the Bills the trouble if he follows through on his retirement threat, saying, look, I'd rather retire than be forced to take the vaccine. Now, if they trade or release him, it would save $5.3 million on the cap in 2021. But this is a football team, Michael, where Beasley could be a, a huge part of that offense in Josh Allen. So now we got politics mixing in with football. I never thought we'd be having a discussion like this. What would you do with a player like this? How would you deal with this as a front office? And, and what do you think the Bills might possibly do here? Well, look, I mean, Beasley, you talked yesterday about Buffalo's running game. And Beasley is their running game. I mean, Beasley has 82 catches last year. You know, he averages 11.8. Most of them, his longest gain of the year was 35 yards. They're all those short underneath hitches, mm-hmm. you know, win the option routes in the slot. So he was a vital part of their offense last year. Second leading receiver on the team by a lot. The next, the next leading receiver was Singletary at 38. So he had a huge impact. And... But I think what you're seeing is I think there's a, t- there's a tolerance level of how much do you want to be able to deal with players that aren't vaccinated. You know, it really messes up your entire team. 
you know, and if your quarterbacks won't get vaccinated, I, you know, it's it becomes a real issue because they're going they could they miss games because of it, you know, and and now you've got a receiver who's so outspoken that he doesn't want to get vaccinated. How is that going to how is that going to manifest itself within the locker room? You know, as you're trying to convince players to take the vaccination, you're trying to give them scientific data, scientific data, not perception, data to take the shot. And some people are just anti-vaccinations. I mean, there's nothing you could do about mm-hmm. it. And it's going to be it's going to cost people their employment. I think, you know, there's some coaches that if they don't want to do it, they're going to get suspended. You know, they're going to be not part of the program because the NFL and the Players Association have agreed that they are supporting the vaccination and they want people to get it so that they can play these games and not have third Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football and move them around. You know, this is a league about uh, an entire league, not just an individual. Uh, great point. And again, we saw how flexible they had to be last year, uh, certainly uh, in 2020. It was, you know, we, we've got games being canceled and pushed back and pushed forward and all those things. For a team like the Bills uh, right now, uh, short odds to, to win the Super Bowl, 12 to 1. I mean, they're up there, up, up on the board here as a team that high expectations. You see the over-under win totals at 11. I mean, a lot is expected of them. Cole Beasley is a, a rather large part of that offense, as you mentioned. Michael, I'm just curious in general, and it doesn't have to be necessarily Beasley here in this instance, but when you've had to deal with players that might be, quote-unquote, a distraction in the locker room, how much do you have to weigh the productivity that you can still get from said player versus how much the other guys in that 53-man roster might be like, we don't like this. And I'm not saying that's Beasley. I'm just saying in general that this guy is really becoming a headache, and we don't want to work with him technically. How do you guys weigh that in the front office? Well, I think when someone's subversive from within, I think that's really the biggest issue. If you're subversive from within and you're creating clusters and you're creating pockets and all of a sudden you have a team that doesn't really eat together. One of the things that I think was missing last year was the camaraderie that teams weren't able to have. That going into the locker room or having the ability to have lunch together where all the old linemen are hanging out with the quarterbacks and there's this team camaraderie. When you don't have that, that's difficult. And what happens is then you get clusters of people. Very challenging. And I think this is where you have to measure it. Look, can they find another receiver to do what Beasley does? Perhaps they can. They don't have one on their roster right now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's a very interesting story. It might not be the only story in the NFL. Let's find out. We'll find out what the Buffalo Bills decide to do. Michael, when we come back, Thomas Gable is going to join us and talk about everything he saw last night in the Bucks, how the books handled that, and also live betting at the British Open. You are on the Lombardi Line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. right around the corner and that means the VEASAN college football betting guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule and early season trends to watch so you have a betting edge this football season. The guide is only $19.99 and discounts are available when you buy early so now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN all access and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back here in the Lombardi line with 
Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. And, of course, we've got Thomas Gable joining us now. He's the director of race and sportsbook at the Borgata. And, Thomas, Michael and I have been watching the British Open here for the last four days. I've been really intrigued by it. I haven't hopped in on any of the live action, but we've been keeping an eye on those odds. Are you seeing at the Borgata, is there a lot of play uh, in this final round here? Are you seeing some activity there? Yeah, we, we took uh, some decent uh, play last night after we reopened the betting after the third round was complete, and uh, we readjusted the odds for everybody. So you had Oosthuizen, uh, obviously, as the short favorite, plus 140 uh, coming into the round today. Morikawa right there, plus 180. And then Spieth, who, I mean, let's face it, he uh, the last two holes were extremely costly for him uh-huh. yesterday. Uh, so he he entered the day plus 450, and now you're looking at uh, Morikawa is the even money favorite now that these two are, are tied at the top, and Usain still right around plus 125 on the live odds. Um, but interestingly enough, in the matchup today, so we when we do the fourth round matchups, we just take whoever's paired together mm-hmm. and. Um, and put them put them in the matchup. Morikawa was the favorite in the matchup today. He was a dollar twenty five favorite over Ustazen in the matchup today. So, I mean, it, it, the question is, Ustazen can he close here today? We saw him in contention at the U.S. Open, didn't get it done. Um, you know, he has won the Claret Jug before. He he's done it before. Uh, so. A lot of golf yet to be played, but no one really seems to be making a run uh, up the leaderboard other than Kepka, who, <laughs> uh, you know, he's just he's run out of holes at this point. But nobody at the top of the leaderboard really has been making too much of a run. It seems like nobody's really making putts today. Um, now, again, the first stretch of holes there, one through five, are probably the toughest stretch on the course. So we'll see what happens after the leaders get through that. But uh, a lot of golf still here to be played. Uh, it should be interesting down the wire. Thomas, did you get much love and much action on Spieth uh, overnight? Did a lot of people? Because to me, I, he left such a bad taste in my mouth. You know, bogey 17 and missing that short, short mm-hmm. putt on 18. I mean, he almost like he gives these strokes away, and he doesn't really have the game to get it back. Like, that's what I worry about with him is he gets too far behind, and then he rallies, he's competitive, but he just digs too deep of a hole for himself. Yeah, you took a couple people took it. You know, again, you're getting uh, you know before the round started plus four fifty on him. But again, you have to. He had to surpass two guys, uh, two major champions, and you know, like you said, Mike, I think the finish yesterday. You know, what's the mindset for him coming into today after he bogeys the last two? Uh, you know, the weather's not going to be an issue. We we see that. You know, Peter Jacobson said it looks like Scottsdale out there this week at the Open, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> But uh, it's, you know, without weather being a factor and, you know, it's just perfect conditions, I don't I don't know if Spieth has it in him to, to overtake both of these guys. Yeah, and the shame there is, gentlemen, is right now, you know, Ustazen has just made a bogey on uh, four. So we've got a tie atop the leaderboard at 11 under par. And, mm-hmm. you know, Spieth is nowhere to be found right now. He still has, obviously, a lot of – he's seven under par, so he's four back here if he's just gotten off to a good start. And, and to your point, Thomas, Brooks Kepka just took the clubhouse lead. He's in the clubhouse. He shot a 65 today, so he's the leader technically in the clubhouse at eight under par, but there's no way these guys are going to come back to 11. Uh, it feels like right now, Thomas, right, it's going to be a two-horse race at your book there. Either you're betting more yep. or you're betting Ustays, and that's it. 
Yeah, and, that, and I think the live odds uh, reflect that, Dave. You know, Morikawa now looking at the live odds, minus 110, uh, Usay's in plus 125, and nobody nobody else is even close. You know, Spieth right now is 16 to 1 on the live odds. So it, it really is coming down to just these two. Let's shift over to basketball, Thomas. What, last night, what did you end up closing? What was the mo- was everybody taking the over last night? We saw it move up to two twenty. I don't know where you closed it at, but where were you, and how did you end up? So we did really well for the game. Uh, I mean, everybody was on Phoenix yesterday. Uh, you know, I was texting with Applebaum earlier in the morning and, you know, he was debating what he wanted to do. And, um, you know, it was, it ended up being the contrarian play. Milwaukee was the contrarian play yesterday. And, um, you know, they, they came through and, you know, we touched on it yesterday when we talked to, uh, during the show yesterday about Middleton, this, every single game in this series really comes down to what Middleton does. You know what you're going to get from Giannis. Is Middleton going to step up, or is Holiday going to step up? And they did last night, and you know the Bucks came away with the win, and now you know they they certainly are the favorite to uh, to win the title now, uh, going home to Milwaukee. So you have uh, the Bucks laying five here in the uh, the early number, and the totals already come down uh, from two twenty three openers now down to two twenty two. Uh, but again, both teams shot extremely well last night. I don't think you're going to see the percentages be nearly as high in the next game. But um, you know, it was a good result for us last night on the game. But again, you know, I I do not need Milwaukee to win this series. <laughs> right now, they are the overwhelming favorite at, at minus 400. Uh, the updated series price and the and the Suns here plus 310. Mike and I were talking about it earlier. Look, you could have got great value with Giannis as MVP, Thomas, uh, after it was when they were down 0-2 at plus 500. Uh, what do you make mm-hmm. now of these MVP and the shifting odds here and with Devin Booker and Chris Paul really close? If you are a Phoenix backer and believe they can still get back in the series, uh, that's going to be – if you're still believing them, this would be the time to jump on one of those two, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. If you think Phoenix can get this done, I mean, let, let's face it, the uh, losing team, the MVP is not going to come from the losing team right. in the series. Uh, so, you know, you heard some people – uh, talking about that earlier when Giannis was putting up the numbers he was when, when Milwaukee was down in the series, could Giannis still win MVP if Milwaukee lost the series? I, you know, I, I just don't think that's possible. Um, and, you know, you really have to be committed to Phoenix is going to win this series to want to take either Chris Paul uh, or Devin Booker at this point. And, you know, Chris Paul, I mean, you, you've seen his odds uh rise dramatically and it's you know I, I don't know it's it seems to be all on Booker's shoulders at this point yeah when he's putting up 40 like he did last night and they still couldn't get it done you, you, you can see why the shift in the odds there uh, has happened in that regard Thomas Gable really appreciate the time and the information enjoy the rest of the series and we'll get your thoughts Thanks, TG. yeah it's great catching up with you again when we come back here we're going to catch up with Will Hill and get his thoughts on Major League Baseball and some plays he likes today when you come back with us right here on the Lombardi line it is VEASAN the Sports Betting I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Turn a $1 wager into $100 on the Yankees or Red Sox to hit a home run with BetMGM. Just use the bonus code VEASAN100 when you sign up for the King of Sportsbooks and get ready for showtime. 
Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and make sure to use the promo code VEASAN100. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Back here in the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi, and we're now joined by William Hill. He is the Point Spread Weekly contributor. Follow him as, as I do on Twitter at not the Will Hill. Will, great to have you back in the program here with Michael and myself. Let's talk about the NBA in Game 5 uh, and what you saw last night because you know, Michael nailed it on the over last night. They got the up-tempo, but uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that they shot so well and could win a high-scoring game. What would you make of it? Well, thank God we're not talking about the Mets. I'm relieved. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oof, that was bad. Yes. Uh, just great great shot making all the way around. Really a, a high-level game. I think sometimes you see a play and you know you're just going to see it for the next 50 years, and that's the holiday steal, the alley-oop, which, man, that takes a lot of guts. There, there's no reason he doesn't have to throw that pass. It ends up working out. If it goes wrong, that's one of the all-time gaffes. Uh, Giannis finishes it. Paul, I think, w- with a stupid play and, and a dangerous play with mm. the two-handed shove underneath him to give them the extra free throw, and up being two extra free throws because they get the miss and man it's too bad the Sixers can't get guys like Drew Holiday Lombardi he's a hell of a player he's a hell thanks of a, a player lot. thanks a I lot know. we got Nolan I Snowell you. we're I happy yes. we're happy yeah. we have Nolan Snowell oh we don't have Nolan Snowell that was a great <laughs> trade by by the maestro of of the process you know you're all in on the process you know well we got to lose you know so we get rid of Holiday yeah I know I know I feel that I feel that I mean don't you feel like Phoenix if I would have told you before the game that Phoenix, you're going to shoot 55%, over 65, 60% from the three-point line. Don't you think Phoenix is winning that game easy? Yeah, no doubt. But the problem is Milwaukee, they're just bigger. I mean, it's basketball, you know, physical, physicality, size, all that stuff matters. And Milwaukee can kind of just get whatever they want at the rim. They're bigger. They're more athletic. They're actually playing pretty smart. You know, I I know nobody really likes Budenholzer, and I think he's gotten a lot of heat, and rightfully so a lot of times. But Tuesday night, he's probably going to be an NBA champion. So I don't know how we're going to discuss him going forward. I don't think anybody thinks he's a great coach, but uh, he's probably going to be a champion here in a few days. I just think Milwaukee's bigger. And, you know, look at it this way. Phoenix shot 20 of 40 from three game two which is really a a historical outlier performance from three other than that i mean they would be down 4-1 they would this series would be over 4-1 if they didn't shoot lights out in game two they're just you know if they don't make a bunch of threes and they only shot 23 of them last night it's hard for them to win because milwaukee can just get whatever they want at the rim their shot quality is a lot better for milwaukee you know i wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if phoenix won on tuesday but i'd be surprised i think milwaukee is the better team and man phoenix is walking into a buzzsaw on tuesday night that building is going to be crazy it is going to be raucous in milwaukee certainly for game six uh when i was out last night and i was not watching our Metropolitans play and on my Mets group text, you know, when Edwin Diaz, they call him sugar, of course, when I just get a text from it and it just says Splenda, I already know what's happening in Pittsburgh, right? So he blows the save and they give up four in the ninth and the Metropolitan lose. But I was looking at your plays for today. Are you really going to go back to the well in our Metropolitans today? 
well, you don't know me that well, Dave. I am a glutton for punishment. I'm going back for more. And I got a similar text because I was watching the NBA game, and one of my Mets friend, uh, friends texted me and said, can you believe this? And there were some expletives in there, too. That wasn't all that was in there. But can, can you believe this in all caps? So I said, what happened? I knew there was two outs, two strikes, bases loaded. And, you know, sure enough, he hits a grand slam. But uh, really important game for the Mets. I think this is one of the bigger games of the year. I mean, DeGrom's hurt. Lindor's hurt. My feelings got hurt last night. They've lost four out of five or five out of six to the Pirates team. That's really bad. So I think today is a huge game. They're losing ground in the NL East. They're really losing some of that lead they built up. They need this game. I think Walker's been good for them this year. I think they get this one in a game they kind of need here. I know it's probably an overreaction to call a game in the middle of July a must win, but this is a huge game for the Mets, and I think this price is a little cheap. I, I could not agree more on that. And again, it, it does feel like a must win. I can't believe we're saying that, Michael, on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and Michael, I know that you, your play, because I follow Mr. Baseball as well, Will, and uh, your play got gotcha. canceled last night. Uh, you had a winner for me with the Cubs, and the Blue Jays uh, got wiped out. But, uh, Michael, I did go to the window with, with your Cubs play and won on that one. Well, that's good. And I think I had the over, too, in the, in the Milwaukee game. Yes, you did. I think that we had the over in that one. Today, Will, tell me, pick, pick me apart on this one. I think one of the best pitching matchups on Sunday is, is Corbin Burns versus Sonny Gray. And I think the under's in play here. I think the under can be definitely in play, uh, you know, because I think even though last night Milwaukee and Cincy went over, I'm going to go under on that game because of the two pitchers. Yeah, I'm going under, and I'm going under first five. And I went under first five yesterday. I won, and then you won on the full game with the over the eight. When you go over for the full game, you're just getting involved with bullpens, extra innings. We saw that game going extra innings, and the scores just take off once you go to extra innings. It, it, they go tit for tat. It really gets out of control. So you can really isolate your handicap if you go first five innings. Uh, it was 2 nothing after five yesterday. I'm looking for a similar type game where it's low scoring early. Uh, Burns has been dominant. Gray's been really good this year. He's really been good his whole career except for his year two stint with the Yankees where she was bad so uh nationally nationally game you get the pitchers hitting should be uh you know a 2-1 1-1 kind of game after five so I look for a low scoring game here uh, gentlemen you know Josh Applebaum is in the building and I know the marquee series this weekend has been the Red Sox and the Yankees and uh right now 1-1 boy what a what a bizarre situation yesterday you get a tie game and the, the Yankees score a couple runs and the rains come and they get an easy victory there maybe a cheapie uh if you had the other side Wayne what do you make of that matchup today between the Yanks and the Red Sox well, first of all, congratulations to the Yankees for finally beating the Red Sox. It only took, what, seven or eight tries. And you, you said it well. They got a break with the, the last few innings getting rained out because they can't close these games out. So even in the event the Yankees get a lead, which, look, it took cold pitching yesterday. It took some late fireworks with some home runs for them to finally beat the Red Sox. Today they don't have cold pitching. Uh, I think the pitching matchup is kind of a wash. The Red Sox have a better lineup. And the Yankees can't close these games out. They don't have a closer right now. Chapman's just been horrible the last month. You can't even put him out there, basically. Uh, Chad Green blew a five-run lead last Sunday against Houston. They don't really trust him. So I think this is uh, you're, you're getting Boston here. I think that's the value you're getting them at plus money. I'm sure Applebaum will like this play. I like the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, I know nine and a half is pretty heavy, but but without the bullpen, with well, you got Talion on the mound versus Perez, the left-hander, you, you know, don't you feel like this could go over easily here? Oh, you got to see this Yankee lineup. Judge is out or Shell is out. I, I would like the under. There's a line in Major League where the guys, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie where he's looking at the lineup and he says, who are these bleeping guys? <laughs> That's who it is with the Yankees right now. It's Trey Ambergy. It's 
Uh, Chris Allen, it's guys you never even heard of. This Yankee, I mean, Rugnet Odor is hitting 180. He's hitting third some of these nights. This is not your typical Yankee lineup. This is a really bad lineup. So I would actually lean under here. This is this is a, a sad sight for Yankees fans. They, they are a rough team to watch. I, I guess because, Will, we're, we're Metropolitan fans, I actually believe that after, you know, once we got through the All-Star break, that the Yankees, the evil empire that is, would make some big charge to begin the second half. I'm with you guys now. I think they're dead in the water. Right, like the, I saw them at twelve to one, and my eyes lit up to come back and win the East. They're not making a run, are they? Will are they going to make some moves here? Can we? Can, or are they really out? Because I never trust that they're really dead. No, I thought that the second half they have a chance to at least catch the second wild card. I think they were three back in the loss to start the second half. But losing Judge and Urshela, that's two of their best players. They're going to be out here a week, ten days. That I mean, you need every single game. So I, I would lean towards them being out. I, I wouldn't pronounce them dead yet because who knows? They make a move, Gallo, another pitcher. Uh, one thing to consider here: Cashman might be on his last leg, so maybe he just goes for broke and just you know kind of goes for it here, which is always a dangerous thing if you're the owner, if you're a fan, because he he can kind of mortgage your future and say you know what, screw it. I'm not going to be around anyway. I might as well just go for it. But uh, I would lean towards them being out here. They just, you know, after 90-something games, you are who you are. And I think they've played 91 games, and in 45 or 46 of them, they scored three runs or less. So they're just kind of an impotent offense. they got issues with the bullpen. I mean, the names on the back of the baseball cards look good. It's just this team hasn't really gotten it done, and it's hard to see them getting it done going forward. Yeah, fourth place right now and still 12-1, to one, uh, the odds there. They're trying to get me to nibble, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just avoid the Yankees in the second half, gentlemen, and stay clear of that train wreck in the Bronx. I don't blame you. I mean, I think Will's hit hit the nail on the head. You are who you are after 91 games. I mean, unless he do, does something and changes, you know, there's just really no answer. And, and you know, obviously their bullpen has been horrible and they can't hit, you know. I mean, that was one of the things that they've, they've always thought maybe they didn't have enough pitching, but they counted on their hitting and now they can't hit. So, yeah, I, I think you got to believe what you see. I think that's the case. Will, did you do anything in the in the, in the the open? Did you make any plays in the open on golf this week? I, I had a little on. Um, Burns and Garcia, neither in the mix. Sergio played well for a little bit, but uh, I, I know some of the uh, the long shot guys, Wes Reynolds and Brady Cannon, were on Spieth, and they got some guys in the mix here. So I'll be rooting for them. I, I Spieth had... just speaking of that, Spieth just birdied uh, the se- the seventh hole, so he's back to nine under. He's tied. Connor's back to nine under too. So we've looked that we've got four. Kepka's in at eight, so we've got four guys competing for this thing, all within two shots. And right now, Jordan Spieth, because of that birdie, Michael, he's plus seven fifty in the live money here. In- on BetMGM, uh, Morikawa now is the favorite to win at plus 120, and Little Louie at plus 140. It's bizarre to me that they just the, the money's saying that Louie's not going to close, and I, I don't know if that's a, that's a good bet or not. I don't know which way I'd go here, gentlemen, but it does feel like right now it's a two-horse race, right? Yeah, it is. I, if I were Louie, I would have wore the brown uniform and closed. <laughs> I would have delivered. But yeah, what do you think, Will? I mean, he gets a lot of crap for, for finishing second in these majors. I mean, it's hard to win these. You finish second in a bunch yeah. of these. I mean, to me, that's an accomplishment. I know. I mean, there's a saying, the guys in first, they live in big houses, too, and I think that's true. Yeah, I put it out there on Twitter yesterday to some of my golf buddies, and I just said, is he already a Hall of Famer, even if he doesn't close? And if you guys remember Robert Dameron, who was on the PGA Tour for quite some time, he just replied to be no. And I thought, what does Robert Dameron want? Like, like it was just we're always taking pot shots at little Louie out here. I want the guy to close now, right? Let's let's put the UPS, let's put the brown on, and let's go get a W. And Will, for the Metropolitans and for your sake today, let's get a W as well. They need it over the Buckos today. Will, appreciate the time and the information. Thanks, Will. Again, soon, buddy. 
Beaston.com slash subscribe. See you guys. Thank you. Just don't be Splenda. Be Sugar, Edwin Diaz, if you're going to close today. Much more. Second hour. Josh Applebaum is here in the flesh. We're back here on Beaston, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.